We have been in a series of messages on essentials, dealing with the essentials of life and how we are to live. With There are certain elements that we cannot live without. One of those elements is hearing. We talked of that, spoke of that last week. And the concept of hearing, am I on? Okay, I'm on up here, so I'll let you all figure it out right there. Um, so, uh, as we talked about the essentials of hearing, the very first thing that if you're going to hear, you've got to stop hearing. If that even makes sense. If you weren't here last week, that probably doesn't make sense. The way that we're going to be able to hear and discern the voice of God is to stop hearing all the other voices in this world. We talked about last week a 35-day challenge. I'd like to know that everybody in this room that was here last week took the 35-day challenge and is in that process of meeting with God in silence and solitude and Scripture, where you're giving Him just ten minutes a day. If, if more, great. All the more, better. But at least ten minutes a day where you are silencing the world around you, the noises, the Internet, and every other bell or whistle in your life, and you're bringing it down and you're just listening to the voice of God that comes in from time and eternity, has come in with, Just an ever small voice, never really loud, never really clanging, but a small, tender, gentle voice many times in our life. This week we look at another essential. We look at the essential of breathing. You can't live without it, right? I mean, as soon as you're born, the doctor spanks you so that you'll start breathing. It wasn't because you gave so much pain in childbirth to your mother that you needed a good spanking to get the world started. But, uh, you know, you've got you to gotta start breathing immediately. It's just kind of one of those important things. In fact, Lori and I, before Jordan was even born, I, we even had to go to class on how to breathe, okay? And I, was, I had an official title. I was the breathing coach, okay? I didn't know you could go and get a title as a coach in breathing. But that was my job. And 24-7, I was supposed to be available to help Lori to know how to breathe. Because breathing is important. You know, when a baby is born, sometimes they uh, get into this, uh, they get upset and they get a little anxious and they get, you know, whether their diaper's on too tight or the diaper's wet and you don't know it. And they get all upset and, and sometimes the baby will just hold in that breath and you just can almost see the baby passing out and you have to just, just blow gently into the face of the baby and it'll start breathing again. Breathing is important whether you're giving birth or you have been born. It's important. It's important all the way through life if you are if you're exercising. The way you breathe is important. If you need to relax your body and your mind, breathing is important. If you want to live, breathing is absolutely important. In fact, just a, just a little note on that. Forty days you can live without food. Three days you can live without water. But only seconds can you leave without, live without breathing. Breathing is one of those things that happens involuntarily. We don't even think about it. So really, when I talk about breathing today, you might just almost rule this message out as an irrelevant message to your life because it happens involuntarily in your life. And in fact, if you're having to have somebody or a machine tell you that you've got to breathe, you're in a, in a situation in life that nobody wants to be. We like the involuntary breathing where we... Inhale and we exhale and we inhale and we exhale. We like that kind of mode because we don't think about it then. We don't have to be conscious about it. 
But I want to say today, though it may seem a little bit abstract as we go into this message, I want you to hang with me to the very end because what may happen involuntarily physically doesn't happen involuntarily spiritually. And if we're going to have the quality of life and the quantity of life that God really intended us to have, I think we've got to learn and train our life to breathe in rhythm. To breathe in a rhythm that God intended us to breathe from the get-go. Here's a life principle for you. You can't exhale what you don't inhale. And everything you inhale is meant to be exhaled. Not a real rocket scientist or doctor there to be able to prove that one. But you cannot exhale at something that you don't put in to you. And neither is it intended to be kept solely to yourself. It is intended to be exhaled out of our lives. Breathing. Why is that so important? Why must I learn today how to breathe on a spiritual plane? Take your Bibles and let's talk about breathing today. Let's begin in the very beginning of it all. When the first breath we took was in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 is where it all began. And one of the passages of Scripture is very unique in the sense that he he spends all of chapter 1 describing how he creates the world in in six days and rests on the seventh day. And then we come to chapter 2. Now in chapter 2 we see the primary focus being on, on the creation of mankind. So there's a, there's a whole chapter to deal with the sun and the moon and the galaxies and, and the earth and the, and the oceans and the sands and the, and the fish and, and the light and all that kind of stuff. There's an entire chapter to deal with all that. But he gives one chapter to deal with just us. So you can see that there's a little bit of a priority shift in, as far as content and material to deal with mankind. And so let's pick up reading in Genesis chapter 2 because one of the things I want you to understand about the facts about breathing is that God is our breath. Get that down. That God is our breath to start with. And in Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, is where we read this account. This is the account of the heavens and the earth. And when they were created, in that day the Lord made earth and heaven. Now no shrub of the field was yet on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord had, had not sent the rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to, uh, to rise from the earth, and water as the whole of the surface of the, ground, of the ground. Verse 7, Then the Lord formed man of the dust, from the ground. So if your kids are dirty, they're only going back to their natural habitat, okay? From the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And we'll stop there. But I want us to understand a very beautiful concept today that I know that we know because we've been to Sunday school class. But I want us to just pause again in that moment of silence and solitude and just take a moment and reflect on the reality that the breath that we breathe didn't begin with us. The breath that we breathe and 
the very, the very beginning of life, that our life started when God, the Creator of all the universe, decided out of all the, His creation, he didn't, do, he didn't blow the sands across the earth, He didn't breathe into the animals on the earth, your dog or kitty cat or anything else. He didn't do that to the trees. He didn't do it to the sun. But He decided in His divine wisdom to breathe His breath into mankind. The only thing God created that He breathed into was mankind. Plato taught that actually when God breathed into man, He breathed into man the soul of man. The core, the essence of man. And that the marked difference between a a dog and a cat and a human being would be far greater, or a tree and a human being would be far greater than God just simply breathing into his nostrils and getting his heart going. But actually what God was breathing into him was his core, his essence, his soul. Think about that. When we breathe for the very first time, when we breathe for the very first time, we were breathing the breath of God. When we think about the breath of God, we think, what would that be like? What was that like for Adam? Of course, he was unconscious prior to that, so what was life before? He was death. So without God's breath, what does man? Man is dead. It takes God's breath. Erwin McManus said it like this. He says, the more of God we breathe in, the more humane we are. The less you breathe God in, the less humane you become. That's one of those things you have to think about. And you have to ask the question, how much of God am I breathing into my life? Because the more of God that I breathe in, as God demonstrates in the garden, a perfect world in which He's created, as He breathes into us, we become human. Sometimes I think of the diseases and the, and the, and, and the, the, the lack of life and wars and famines that we create as mankind. I think sometimes we have stopped breathing in the breath of God. Again, it seems a little bit abstract, but hang with me for just a little bit. Because this is not the only time that the breath of God becomes a life-giving element to anybody. You can go to Ezekiel whenever he's in the vision of the valley of the dry bones, and you can read about how whenever he's in this vision, these bones and these, these decaying, decomposing bones are lying there in this valley. And he is in this valley, and God tells uh, Ezekiel that if you will prophesy over these, that you, you tell me that to breathe life into them, I will breathe life into them. And this is what Ezekiel 37.10 says, Breath came into them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. The breath of God gives life. When I breathe, when, man, when your father and my father breathed for the very first time, they were breathing the breath of God. Decaying bones are able to come back together and sinew around them and flesh around them when God breathes on them. Sounds mystical, I know. It is extremely mystical. I can't describe it. I can, I can only describe it. I can't explain it. 
Job and his life of terror and torment that he went through in his own. He not only realized that his life began with God, but his life continued on because of God. And you know the story. He lost all of his wealth, his family, his children. He lost it all. And here he's in this situation. And his friends are telling him, curse God and die. His wife tells him, curse God and die. You know, here, here, here's the situation now. In Job 27.3, he says, as long as I live, while I have breath from God, my lips will speak no evil. Job realized that his breath comes from God. He realized that the life that he had was not his own life. Yes, his organs might have been going. Yes, he might have been living. But he saw with his own eyes the snatching of life of his, of his children. He saw the snatching of life of his lifestyle. He saw that everything about life originates with God. We've got to come back to the essentials. We've got to come back to realize that when I breathe, I am breathing the breath of God question that we must understand and wrestle with a little bit today is how vital is your breath? You can't live but seconds without it. How much are you breathing in God versus breathing in so much of the other things of this world? You have to assess yourself on that one. I tell you, there was a time that I had a moment of great inspiration uh, or stupidity, you'll be the judge of that. But I'll say inspiration. Uh, that I decided I was going to do my first uh, biathlon. Uh, I wasn't going to try the triathlon, but I was going to do a biathlon, two events. One was going to be, I thought, I thought my, my shining moment. It was going to be a, a swim, and I still swim to this day, and I enjoy swimming. And, and uh, it was a, like a 500-meter swim. And uh, then the next was a five-mile run. You get out, and you, and you just take off running. And I'd never done it before. I got a wild hair in me, and so I just said, okay, I'm going to go try it. And uh, I, I tried to get in shape before I went there. It was in California. It was right near Santa Monica Pier. It was a, it was a, great, it was a great time to be there, beautiful scenery, and here we were. Uh, and so and it, was a, it was in November, so it was a bit cooler than probably normal. But uh, anyway, so here we are, and I'm thinking, okay, my goal is for the first leg, swimming, I knew I could swim a mile hands down. So I knew that I could do 500 meters. And so I, I, I knew that I could shine in this area. And my goal was to enter into this race and for the, to in, get out of the water in the top 10%. Because I knew when I started running, I was going to drop. I was going to drop back maybe 25, maybe 30%. It would be maybe where I'd finish the race. But if, if that was my first biathlon and that's all I could do, I was going to be happy with that. As long as I finished, the, as long as I got out of the water in the top 10%. So here we are, we're lined up on the beach. And I, and I, I kind of anticipated it would be cold because they asked me on the question there if I wanted a wetsuit. And I thought, if they're going to ask it, I'm going to ask for it. And so I figured they're not going to ask it if they don't need it. So I asked for a wetsuit, and I got a wetsuit. Everybody else had a wetsuit on. There were some freaks there without wetsuits. But um, I found out before I got there that the water temperature was 55 degrees. Now I just jump in water. I don't worry about it. It's the best way to get into water, you know, with a swimming pool or the lake or whatever. I didn't know what 55 degrees felt like or looked like. And uh, so here we go. Is uh, We're all lined up. I'm on the front of the line. I'm going to be in the top 10% at least at the starting gate. And, uh, and so here are the, the, the gun fires, and I am taken off. And I, I, am, I am knee high in the water, 
and I am just running as fast as I can trying to beat the waves. And finally, whenever I, I uh, couldn't run any longer, that last wave was coming, and I, like an Olympian, dove into the wave. And then I felt what 55-degree water felt like. It is unbelievably cold for this little body, or big body, whatever you want to say. Uh, I could not believe how cold that water was. And my body could not believe how cold that water was. To the point that even though I had a... Again, I'm a, I think I'm an accomplished swimmer. I think I could do this pretty, pretty hands down. I mean, I saw the course. It was going to be a pretty easy, easy route to take. It was not any, any big deal. I just had to get out past the waves and get going. But as soon as I hit that wave, you know what happened? That nice full breath of air that I'm holding in my lungs evaporated, and I intake water. And I am now sucking on seawater. And, and here this, this guy who's in the top 10% is no longer immediately in the top 10%. I am now in this water, getting my head above the water, spitting the water out, choking on salt water, and, uh, and trying to swim. Now, that's bad enough until that same very week I was listening to the radio in L.A., and they were listing out the most polluted beaches in, 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 in California. And the top seven, and in the top seven was the beach at Santa Monica Pier. And they said it had high doses of fecal matter in the water. So all I can say is, um, anybody want to smell my breath today? Uh, the question before us today is, what are you breathing in? When God created us, He created us to breathe Him in. The essential of this day is to ask yourself the first question being, am I inhaling God's breath into my life? To where, like Ezekiel, dead bones can live again. Where, like Job, looks at life and says, My life is dependent upon the very breath. My next second is dependent upon the breath of God. The second essential. The second thing we must understand about breathing is that not only do we breathe God's breath, but God's breath is our power. There are several times when God breathes over us. There's another time in the book of John, Gospel of John. Take your Bibles and go to the New Testament now. John, the last part of John, John chapter 20, Jesus is fresh from the grave. He is resurrected. He has literally just dropped his grave clothes and he is walking amongst his disciples. They're blown away. They're in a state of shock. Mary and Martha and Peter, the whole crew is there. And Jesus is with His disciples when it was evening on that day that He rose from the grave. So this is when it is. I mean, it is within the same 24-hour period. And as He's with His disciples, we go to chapter, John chapter 20, verse 19, and this is what it said. It says, it says, So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the first day of the week being Sunday. That's why we worship on Sunday, FYI. And when the doors were shut, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, 
peace be with you. Now that's a good statement to say whenever you've seen Jesus die. Okay? When you are, don't know whether to hightail and run or because you are seeing a ghost, or you hightail and run because there is an illusion before you, or you're in a bunch of crazies, or something like that, it's a good thing for Jesus to say, peace, hey, listen, now I'm okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Peace be with you. And when he, sa- and when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his, fe- and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord, so Jesus said uh, to them again, Peace be with you. Again, obviously a heightened emotional moment. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. That's an interesting statement to say right out of the chute. I can understand the peace be still part. I can understand calm down for a moment. But I want to let you know, disciples, the same place and the same life and the same reason I am here is the same reason you are here. The same thing that I may, I've gone through, you may have to go through someday. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those who are far from God. Okay, then part of our mission, part of our aim is doing that very thing. Then in verse 22 it says, And he had said this, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23 goes on, if you, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins then have, been, have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. The key that I want us to focus in on here is that Jesus not only, not only did God breathe on us for the first time, but Jesus breathed on us. And when Jesus breathed on us, He breathed on us the Holy Spirit. So if what Plato was believing and teaching is right and has been taught for many centuries since then, that whenever God first breathed into us, He breathed into us a soul. He is now filling that soul with His Spirit. And His Spirit comes and resides within us. And as He resides within us, He does that so that we can do what He's called us to do. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. There's a couple of things that happens when Jesus breathes on us. Jot them down. Number one, breathing in God's presence gives you God's mission. He says, as the Father has sent me, so also I'm sending you. Whatever Jesus did, and what we have to do at this point, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we have to now start asking the question, what was Jesus about? Because whatever Jesus is about ought to be what I'm about. So last week we studied Jesus, this week we're studying Jesus, and guess what? Next week we're studying Jesus, and you know what? Jesus is going to be the central theme of anything that we do here, hopefully. Because it's about Jesus, it's about being on His mission, it's about doing what He is about. And and the thing is, is that when He breathed into me the Spirit, when He breathed into His disciples the Spirit, He was breathing into us so that we can carry this out. Otherwise, we couldn't do it on our own. We could not do it on our own. So my question would be to you today, if you are a follower of Christ, if you have received the Holy Spirit, my question to you today is where are you on mission with God? Because Jesus came on a mission, so you ought to be on a mission. Where are you on mission with God that you would not be had Jesus not breathed His Spirit into you? 
what country, what people, what place. Who are you praying for? Because a part of the evidence that we are breathing the breath of God is that we will be on His mission. We're sending a team out this week to Mali. In fact, I want the team to come up here. I don't know who all's in here. But the team, if you all go ahead and come on up here. Because we have some experienced and some uh, that, are, uh, that are newbies. Uh, come on up here on stage. We see, I see uh, uh, Aubrey. Lori is still with the... Uh, let's, let's get over here, guys. Maybe turn these lights on. Um, we've, uh, Lori is still teaching the children. And Aubrey, she's a professional. How many times have you been, Aubrey? Yeah, to Molly. Third time. All right. Well, great. Now, we have uh, also Don. His wife's been over there. He's ready to go back and retrieve her and bring her back. Uh, no questions asked. Going to bring her home. But we need to pray for Don. Don's in a situation that has come up within the past couple of weeks at his work that is just an odd and bizarre situation that uh, outside of God providing in an amazing way, it's going to limit him, from, it's going to exclude him from this going on this trip. And so we need to pray for that, okay? Would you commit that to prayer for the next few days? He's still on the team. He's still committed to going on, the, on this trip. But this situation's got to get worked out, and it's a big situation. So would you pray for him in that? But we also we have uh, some other team members uh, here. Paul, Austin, y'all, first time. And also Caleb, my son, is going. But this is y'all's first time. Tell me, Paul, as, as the first time going, what are you most looking forward to about this trip? Hmm. Um, well, there's, there's a lot of things. Uh, just going to Africa and seeing this whole different continent that uh, we've never seen before. Um, but probably the, the most important thing and, and most excited about is spending some time with Austin and uh, you know, going and doing something that we've uh, never done. And uh, having that memory with them is probably Creating the most, that memory. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's just awesome. That's how it started with Aubrey and just her family taking her on trips and just the meaningful investment. I hope that you'll have a great trip and God will just change your life and use you. Y'all will be teaching children while you're there, right? And the students and the youth that are in the school. And that'll be, a, that'll be a, a, an awesome time. Pass the, the mic over to Russ. Russ is, uh, Russ is your second attempt to make it to Molly. The first attempt... Uh, just maybe a week or so before you went, you had heart problems. The doctor said, eh, it ain't happening this time. And, uh, and said you couldn't go. And then last week, was it two weeks ago, uh, you lost your brother. And so here, back-to-back, on back-to-back trips, you've had opportunities. Last time it was a, your own physical condition. This time it's your losing of your brother. Why, do you, why are you going? Why do you, how do you keep going in all of this? I wasn't ready for this. Um, God put it on my heart about a year ago, and that day I put this bracelet on. And you're right, a week before I was supposed to leave, I mean five days exactly, uh, they didn't call it a heart attack, but it was about as close as you can get. Mm-hmm. So I had a broken heart. Mm-hmm. Well, and then two weeks ago, uh, I lost my brother, and we buried him last week, and so now I'm going with a broken heart. Mm. Um, but God put it on me a year ago to go, and I needed to be there, and so I'm honoring that commitment to him, mm-hmm. and now I'm honoring that commitment to my brother because his band is also here as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You know, as I think about this team, and I think about the concept of God breathing on people, this team has already experienced that breath of God, that breath of the Holy Spirit calling them. And each one of them could give maybe a different story about And I know Paul and I have talked about it. He's been talking about it for some time. 
God leading him on this trip. And here we are today. Finally, it's here. What happened? God breathed his breath across him. His spirit laid on his heart as it did on all these team members. That is an awesome testimony. I want to pray for this team as they go that God would breathe on them even more as they're there. Would you join me in praying for them? Y'all join together and pray in prayer. Father God, we bow before you and we thank you for this team, what they represent, who they represent. The mission that they are on is not their mission. It's not one of tourism and, and nice hotels and luxurious living and fancy food. It's because, first of all, God, you breathed into our father Abraham, uh, you breathed into our father Adam. And then you have breathed into these your followers the Spirit of God to fill that soul. That, Father, they are not living for themselves. They're spending their own money, their own vacation to be on mission with You. Lord, would You continue to breathe on them? Would You breathe across Don's situation that may limit him from going, Lord, set that situation free because Your breath will breathe on it. Lord, we thank You. We bless You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Give this team a hand of support as they get ready to go. Not only do we receive God's mission as we He breathes on us, but also breathing in God's presence gives us God's words. God enables us to speak when we couldn't normally speak. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in the very hour what you ought to say. Now that's a promise. Because I'll say this, when God called me to where I am standing right here on stage, and I've said this before, this is an uncharacteristic place for me. In many, in many respects, it's an uncomfortable place for me. I, I don't desire to be center stage with the bright lights. I don't desire to be speaking out loud. I don't desire to be a public speaker. But somehow God breathed into me His breath, His Spirit, and He said, you know what, I'm calling you to something. And this is what I'm calling you to. The second thing that happens, let me ask you a question with that though. In this moment, as God breathes into your life, who are you speaking and teaching truth to? Because we are inhaling His Spirit who are you speaking and teaching? Here's another one. Breathing in God's presence gives us God's companionship. We get His mission. We get His, we get his words. We also get His companionship. Because He tells us, Jesus is speaking here, He says, I will talk to the Father and He will provide for you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. Out of the message, I love that prayer phrase. You'll always have someone with you. When God's Spirit is breathed into your spirit, into your soul, into your cavity, you now have a companion through any storm, through any trouble, through anything you may face. So a question for you is this. How is the Holy Spirit a companion in your life? What mission has He given you? Where are you teaching and training and transferring your faith? 
Where is He as your companion? How is He walking with you through life? Or do you feel like God is over here and you are over here and you're trying to figure out how to get to Him? Because He wants to breathe into you His Spirit. Breathing is important. Inhaling God is, is our breath. Inhaling God gives us His power. I want us to try something now. I want you to inhale with me, okay? But as we, as we breathe in, I want you to hold your breath, okay? Hold it for just a couple seconds. If you feel like you're going to pass out, let it out, okay? But if you can hold it for a couple seconds, do that, okay? We're going to breathe in. So let's do it a couple times and breathe out. Ready? All right, now we're going to take as deep a breath as we can this time, and we're going to hold it. Ready? Breathe it in. Hold it. Hold it. Now, without letting it out, I want you to breathe in some more. Ready? Go. Anybody? All right, now hold it. Breathe in some more. Can you? Breathe in some more. You can't. (laughs) You filled it up the first time. You couldn't do it the second time. You had to let a little bit out. Here's the principle. Just as God breathes into us, just as God breathes into us, we are to breathe out. There is an inhale-exhale effect that needs to happen in our life where we are taking in and we are letting out. Inhale God's presence and exhale out into other people's lives. Inhale God's presence, exhale God out into other people's lives. Very important concept. It's one of our core values. How do we do this at Grace Point Church? We do this by inhaling in worship and exhaling in service. Inhaling in worship. We have a challenge that we give to all of our members. Every member in here is that you will find one worship service that you will worship in. And you will find one worship service that you will serve in. We are teaching you, we are training you the rhythm of prayer. And the rhythm of prayer is to learn how and when and how to inhale and also know how to exhale into other people's lives. It's a part of the breathing process. Here's another life principle for you. Oh, this is a beautiful one. The person who can breathe in the deepest is the person who can exhale the most. There are some who love to worship. They'll raise their hands. They'll sit on the front. They'll do whatever. They'll clap. They're all about worship. They're all about taking it in and hearing and being fed and hearing all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to service, no, i got to go now. It's time for me to go. It's time for me to leave. I've got to beat everybody else to the restaurants. Take your Bibles and find one more passage with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. While you turn there, I want us to understand that Paul is jumping into the middle of a, of a, of a, of a, middle of a, of a letter. Now, we, believe that Paul, we know Paul wrote two letters if he didn't write up to four letters. Some people believe that in chapter 2, verse 14 to chapter 7, verse 4, there's actually, that's a letter within a letter. Because the way Paul ends chapter 2, verse 13, and the way Paul begins chapter 2, 14, they don't go together. So it seems a bit awkward. And so, really, we're jumping into the middle of the letter that may actually be the very beginning of a letter. And just listen to these words in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. He says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Manifest through us. Listen to this. Manifest through us the sweet aroma 
of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. We are a fragrance of God. We are the aroma of God. We are, as we inhale God, we exhale Him into this world, into people's lives, into children, into students. When we take what God has given us, breathing truth into us, giving His Spirit to us, empowering us to do ministry, when He does that, we are only selfish in killing ourselves spiritually when we do not exhale out into other people's lives. We have got to inhale. We have got to exhale. It's the way God created us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, a very familiar verse, says that You have been saved by grace through faith. You did not save yourselves. That is God breathing into us. There's nothing I can do. All I do, lay there in my dead state spiritually. God's Spirit breathes into my spirit and I receive salvation, life, forgiveness, His grace. But the very next verse that many times we skip over is verse 10 when he says God made us to do good works. So just as he wants us to inhale his his saving grace, he wants us to exhale our good works through teaching and sharing and giving of ourselves. Now maybe when you came in, and I hear the rappers already going, how many of you all already had your lifesaver? Shame on you. All right? Those who were good students and didn't take their lifesaver in yet, put it in your mouth. Okay? Now, put it in your mouth and put it on the front of your lips, okay? Like this. All right? Y'all look funny when you do that. So, you've got this breath mint now. You have just taken something in. Now I want you to turn to the person next to you and breathe out. Okay? If you've got a cold, please don't do that. I should have said that first, all right? Now, if you just received the breath of that other person, tell them thank you for putting a breath mint in. See, you never turn down a breath mint is the moral of this story. No, the moral of this story is just as you put it in the end of your lips and you breathe it in, You can feel that wintry, fresh smell, all right? You're taking in something different than you would have taken in had you not had the life-saving mint. And just as you are breathing out, you are giving off a different aroma than coffee, cereal, or milk, or whatever that you would normally be giving. Thank God for the breath mint. In your life. Have you taken in the life-saving presence of Jesus Christ and His Spirit breathing into you? It is only right to breathe out. I close with telling you the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say on my biathlon, that I never gained my composure, really. In fact, the lifeguards came near to me. Uh, They never rescued me because my pride was too great. And I was far enough out that I was near, I was past the waves that I was 
able to at least not be nailed in the face with this freezing cold water. And my body was numb at this point. So all I had to do was stick my face down in the water and take off. But the amazing thing is, is I never could do it. Every time I, I would get out and my lungs would be full, and I had to force the air out of my lungs. Okay, 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 okay. And then I would start my stroke again. As soon as I stuck my face down in that water, it was, again, the whole burdening feel that I was going through. I had to get out. So I ended up swimming the 500 meters on my back with the lifeguards not 10 foot from me on their surfboards. There were people swimming by, the older people, uh, swimming past me talking to one another as they're swimming past. And I am doing the backstroke through the ocean, looking as if I'm relaxed, but actually just trying to survive. I didn't finish the race in the top 10% if you hadn't figured that part out. There was 150 racers. I finished 147. So I did not come in last. The problem was not that I couldn't swim. The problem was not that I wasn't in physical, good enough physical shape to do the competition, though I never would have finished in the top. The problem is I never could get my breathing in rhythm. My inhale, exhale was not in rhythm. And so because of that, it stopped me in the water. We have ministries going on all around this room as a ministry fair week kicks off. We need 116 workers to exhale into children for the next year. 116 workers to exhale into children what you've already inhaled by God's grace. We need 66 workers in our hugs ministry. People who will inhale and then exhale a sweet aroma of God a sweet fragrance of God into other people's lives. We have narrowed our ministries down to what we deem as the essential ministries of our church. I'm going to dismiss us in prayer at this point and give you the remaining time, about eight minutes or so, not long, so start over here or at least end over here because we need to make sure we are inhaling and exhaling into our children His presence and His power. We challenge all of our members to do this. And if you're one of those who's like, hey, I'm praying about Grace Point Church, go around. Look at the different ministries. Take the time to see places where you can exhale into other people. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You for this time. We thank You for these moments together. We ask that You would bless these members as they go, Lord. And they will take the time in ministry right now, to look, to pray through, to consider, Lord, what it is that you are asking them to serve, where to serve. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We ask your blessings on this time that we would inhale and exhale in a rhythm that is of you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.